Hey, Elena, would you ever try froglets? No, that sounds gross. What about you, Dimitri? Would you ever try a sheep's head? Never say never. What about eating pistachios in space? How did I get to space is what I'm thinking, but I like pistachios. Would you try a new fruit? Probably. What if it smelled like diapers and gasoline? So are you talking about durian? Does it taste good and smell bad, or does it taste bad and smell bad? To find out, you'll have to keep listening. This is 2233, a podcast of exchange and food stories. I would say Asia, though, had lots of adventurous foods. We tried, we ate lots of crickets, uh, cow tongue, yeah. uh, the durian. Uh, froglets. Mm-hmm. Baby frogs. Uh, fertilized duck eggs. <laughs> that was not maybe the best decision. That was a late night decision. Yeah, that was a late night decision. <laughs> you we're probably, all, yeah. We're all fighting some be stomach, thi- <laughs> stomach <laughs> things. And be selective like... about what you eat after midnight. And it was good, though. Yeah. yeah lots yeah. of great stuff. <laughs> This week, pistachios in space. The dangers of Chinese menus. Another trip to Kazakhstan. Another sheep's head. And the awful funkiness of durian fruit. Join us on another journey around the world to tickle our taste buds. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Yes. Well, all space food looks bad, but tastes like perfectly fine and some of it terrific but i will say it all looks kind of ugly and that half of our food is freeze-dried half is stuff that you warm up in what looks like a briefcase that has kind of heated sides and a heated middle and you strap your food in and so we'd rehydrate the food or you know put those envelopes on there and and so we call it picking our food you'd pick your food or someone else would say can i pick your food for you and after a while, I, I, I liked I liked kind of comfort foods. I liked scrambled eggs. I liked I liked beef stew. I liked Thai food. I like I liked the challenge of mixing my Thai food with rice, kind of one spoonful at a time. And and but mostly, I think all of us loved. I mean, it almost didn't matter what you ate. Food was delightful up there. I mean, just because life was different, if you're going to make like a tortilla, that's the kind of a bread that we can have and stays okay. And you can put peanut butter and jelly on a tortilla. Um, You can put cheese and chicken, you know, and, and then you can actually carefully send that tortilla to somebody else. You can, you can make food for someone and send it to them. But the delightful aspect of food is also what is terrifying about it. And that is because if you are not careful, you know, even in like compacting your food trash, I'd be rolling up barbecue beef was treasured and barbecue beef and steak were treasured by especially some guys on our crew and our Russian friends. And so I would always just give mine away, almost always. And yet um, when I did have barbecue beef and you're rolling it up carefully to really minimize your trash because you make everything really small like that. And you do that final little zip right across the top. And then 
a fire hydrant of barbecue sauce shoots across the space station and it will not land somewhere harmless. It will land on one of your crewmates and it will be on a new shirt, one of their only six shirts for six months. So the danger and the delight of food in space. Food people sent us pistachios in the shell. Okay, just think about trying to eat that. There's all those, I mean, crumbs in space are a no-no, okay? And it is possible, and we do have like bags of chips, you know, a few, that kind of thing in the snack box. And and what you do is you eat them next to a vent that has a, like a, like the air is being pulled through it that has a screen on it. And so you eat your potato chips or your p- bag, giant bag of pistachios um, next to the vent and all the little crumbs and shells and things like that land on the vent. And then you vacuum them up right again. But we just thought, what were they thinking? I do remember us once going to a restaurant and we ordered, I want to say it's the, the menu said like French fries or something like that. Something pretty American, you know, like we were looking for the basics and we're like, oh, they have French fries. And it was, we're like, oh, okay. Like we'd been to this restaurant before. We're like, oh, we didn't even know they had that. That's what it read, translated on the menu. We, being really lazy, did not read the characters. We got clams. And not at all what we were expecting. But we're like, uh, we didn't even try to, like, communicate or, like, you know, we're like, this is what we got. We'll just live with it. Which is funny. I think notoriously in China, menus are translated pretty horribly. We always joked, we're like, oh, we could make a whole business of just, like, translating menus properly because they're just not. We were presented a full traditional meal. It was in Sameh in Kazakhstan. And it is tradition to present a full sheep's head to the guest of honor, which we found out is the eldest of the visiting group. Um, and I think the translation, was it roughly translated to, was it Whitebeard? Whitebeard. Whitebeard. So we called Nathan Whitebeard Wall- Wallman for a long time after that. <laughs> Still occasionally reference it. But Nathan was basically served the sheep's head. And we were all amazed and when it came out yeah well we thought we'd be rude to not eat it we weren't really sure how this was going to go down so we were all cracking up getting ready to watch nathan go to town on the sheep's head that looked like it was probably going to be good honestly i mean yes it's very different than what we're used to being served but i mean i'm sure it was going to be delicious so we're all sitting there waiting to see what's going to happen and then we find out that nathan although he served it he's actually the one that gets to cut whatever he wants from the sheep's head and serve it to whoever he wants. And I happened to be laughing the hardest at the time at Nathan. So I was chosen as the recipient of the ear of the sheep, which as I said, as I alluded to earlier, is actually quite delicious. The 
didn't didn't see that happening. But no, that was such a, a monumental meal for us. We were showered in kindness that whole evening. Uh, we were serenaded by one of our hosts playing Domra and singing these amazing songs that we were lucky enough to capture a little voice memo recording of. We might have to throw that in the podcast. I felt really connected to the people when they were sharing that meal with us. It was like they were so excited to bring out every single course. It was almost a never-ending marathon. It was... um, we, we were really into the Kazakhstan, um, the cognac that they have, which is just called Kazakhstan, I think. Yeah. The, the, the cognac itself, the bottle just says that. And they would not let our glasses even go down an inch. I mean, it was like you take a sip and a guy comes behind and he's topping it off again. So we found that very comical. <laughs> and uh, well, there was the last thing I guess I remember from that meal too, of course, was being served the kumis. Yes, the kumis was um, was incredible. Actually, it was it was interesting. It it tasted to me like uh, yogurt and champagne together in a kind of yeah. There's some things floating in it, which I found a little strange, but it was it was good. Things that you absolutely have to try if you're in Germany. The currywurst, of course, is a very famous Berlin tradition. Literally just a, a sausage um, with kind of a curry ketchup sauce that goes over the top, usually served with, with fries and mayo. There's two different styles to this. The, the Berlin sausage seems to be a little bit uh, not so finely ground, I would say. It's um, very coarse usually served with potato wedges. And in Hamburg, they kind of do like this very fine ground, very thin sausage with uh, French fries. Depending on who you talk to, there's fans of both. I lived in Hamburg, but I'm a Berlin curry worst fan. So everybody at home hated me. I actually had a discussion with my host dad that I thought Berlin curry worst was better and he locked me out of the house for a little while. <laughs> and we didn't eat curry worst for a long time so that we avoided that discussion, but we got along okay. I think the craziest food experience that I've had uh, this year in Europe in general actually came through a mistranslation, and I was in Greece, so of course I couldn't read anything that was on the menu I was ordering. The kind of strange situation that I came across when I was traveling in Crete on the island uh, is that there's a lot of German tourists there, so I was able to use my German better than I could use my English, and I asked for a German menu. And after looking through everything, I decided that I was going to... Uh, order what would have translated to like black noodles and I was kind of curious as to what was in this stuff and I saw that it was kind of under seafood and I'm like okay you know I'll give that a try my friend Jessica who was traveling with me she's like you know you're going out on a limb I don't know what that means like be careful I'm like no this will be fine like we're just you know this is lunch I can eat something later if it's too horrific 
So we waited a while, and the waiter brought out this plate of black noodles. Definitely some sort of very thin uh, sauce that was laid over the top uh, with cuttlefish then cut up inside, um, which has got kind of like this really rubbery texture. Feels like you're eating a kitchen sponge, uh, but absolutely doesn't taste that way. It tastes absolutely amazing. Um, and if you're a seafood fan, I can absolutely recommend cuttlefish. But it was about halfway, I was halfway through my meal before I even considered the idea that this black sauce could possibly be cuttlefish ink. I realized that up until that thought, not only did I not have a problem with it, I liked it. And when Jessica had kind of suggested that to me, like, do you think it's ink? I kind of looked up at her and I took a big spoonful of noodles and I just put them in my mouth and I smiled <laughs> like a kindergartner. From that point, I think I can stomach pretty much anything that I order. It's certainly not always the most pleasant thing, but I end up finding lots of weird tastes and things that I end up liking. One was when I was in Lithuania, <laughs> they had this uh, soup, and I can't pronounce it correctly, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, but uh, the soup was actually the color of Pepto-Bismol. When it, when it arrived, and they warned us, but when it arrived, you're like, this really looks like Pepto-Bismol. So you already, yeah, you know what it is? Okay. And so already your mouth is like, because <laughs> you're just like, I know what this is going to taste like, but it didn't taste anything like that, you know? And uh it was actually a cold soup and you can eat it with uh, some bread and it could have potatoes in it and everything as well. But it was, I loved it. It ended up being one of my favorite dishes in Lithuania. But if you go off appearance alone, you're just like, ugh, it doesn't look that good. Uh, in Azerbaijan, there was a, I love soups when I go overseas for some reason, but they had this soup called Dushpara. And um, it's a soup that comes, but you have to add all these ingredients. They give you these different ingredients to add to it that makes it douchebara the correct way. And um, it was a soup that I loved. And my first night there, my embassy rep, his name was Fergani, took us to this restaurant and he showed us how to add all these different ingredients. We was like, man, this tastes so good. You know what I mean? But it was something traditional to their country that he's like, you got to add X and X ingredients for it to have the proper taste. And then I think another time when I was in Africa, we uh we ate outside and it wasn't even a restaurant. It was probably just this little setup this guy had. And I remember I was really hungry late at night. And my translator, Rashid, who I brought up earlier, he was like, you want to go get some chicken? I'm like, yeah, I'm starving. So again, this is Africa. You're not going to KFC. You're not going to a restaurant. He literally took us to this open area where this guy had this little setup and we ordered some chicken and he literally had to kill the chicken, skin it. And I'm telling you, this is the best chicken I had in my life. I mean, my life. We all were at the table, faces all greasy, hands all greasy. Even the embassy people was like, oh my gosh, this chicken is so good. We started calling it cracked chicken at the table because it was just so good. I think it was just so good because it was just natural. It was like, it got killed, cooked, here you go. Best seasoned chicken I ever had. I remember the tomatoes, the onions, and the uh, peppers that they cooked with it were so flavorful because it was fresh. And you're just like, America, we got to do better. Come on. We got to do better with the fresh foods. And that's something I would just tell you in general. When you go overseas, 
I always lose about five to eight pounds just from eating their food because it doesn't have all these preservatives, all this fat, all this sugar. When you get a juice, it's normally fresh squeezed juice you're getting. They eat way better than us. I'm just telling you right now. A lot of great food I've eaten. First, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like this food. It's, it's missing some of the flavor, but I kept on trying new things. And I think it was the last two months of my fellowship there. I found arroz con coco y guandu, and it tastes amazing. <laughs> I wanted to eat it all the time. Yes. So it's um, rice, right? It's rice flavor has coconut. And it has this bean-like called guandu, but we also use it in Puerto Rico, but we call it gandules. So in Puerto Rico, we have arroz con gandule, and then they have arroz con coco y guandu. So I guess I liked it a lot because it reminded me of Puerto Rico. I freshly arrived in Gütersloh, and actually I lived in a small hamlet called uh, Herzebrock, so not even anywhere near the city in a sense. I was really in a, in, a, in a tiny village, and she said, let's go get ice cream. I said, oh, okay, that sounds great. Let's go get ice cream. And we arrive at this place, and first of all, it was Italian. I thought, well, that's interesting. Why do they have an Italian ice cream place? I, you know, okay, all right, all right, Italian ice cream. And she goes, you need to try spaghetti ice, and I thought, okay, that's just going a bridge too far. I, I, up to that point, I had been eating everything that I never liked as a child, which I have to say, I now came to love a lot of those things. But eating spaghetti ice, I thought, no, no, it can't be. She shows me the menu and I still hadn't been able, my German wasn't quite there. And she goes, well, I'm going to order it anyway. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. They bring the spaghetti ice. Well, sure enough, spaghetti ice was just ice cream and the strawberry sauce that looked like spaghetti sauce. So, and then the ice cream had been run through. So it was just one of those funny things that I, I thought, you know, I'm willing to try everything, but, but pasta sauce, or yeah, like tomato sauce and ice cream, you know, that, that, if I have an opportunity and I don't have to do that to be super polite, I'm not going to do it. But I, I think as an exchange student, that's one of the things is you just have to learn to say yes. The food, I mean, of course, we've all heard of couscous, but there were so many, you know, different tagines, uh, lamb tagines, chicken tagines. Uh, this was food I wasn't uh, typically uh, familiar with, but I adjusted, adapted, and <laughs> grew to love it. So you'll have uh, a tagine is a, a dish. You'll have a like a lamb tagine or a chicken tagine, but also a tagine is the form of a, a cookware, kind of, I, I would describe it as almost like a, a serving plate or a, a pot. So the the food goes in the tagine and also it's the name of the dish. The mint tea, <laughs> the mint tea came with actual mint 
inside of it, not like the tea bags <laughs> that we get in America. So it's like legit mint tea. <laughs> Another thing I really liked, the meals that they had were really healthy. They really cared about their health. They would have some cheap meals once, like maybe a week. But most of the time, they ate, they ate a lot of vegetables, a lot of um, whole wheat things. And it was just fun to adapt to what they ate, how they lived their lives. When I make my new family, I want to add all these things that I learned to my new family and also a combination of what I'm used to and my actual family back home. So back home, something Arabs or Palestinians are known for is their hospitality. So I just really wanted to um, represent that. So I just, sometimes I made them traditional food from back home and showed them how we would like treat our guests and uh, I did the same thing for my cooking classes in my high school because I had really fun classes. One of them was cooking. So I cooked them my traditional food and showed them how we would serve our traditional food. There was a dish. I loved, of course, like tacos, burgers, the normal stuff. But I think this is a middle, a Midwestern dish. It was called chili. Do you know it? Yeah. So my host family cooked that a lot and I loved it. They had like a lot of stews and like big pots of things which I didn't expect I just thought they would eat like fast food they had a lot of soups and healthy stuff like I said but chili was definitely my favorite it was just really cozy and like cold nice would sit together and just eat I ate everything. Alex is the skinniest of all of us, and the, we don't know where it goes. The guy does not stop eating. I do a lot of running. Yeah. So that's, that, that helps. Yeah. yeah. Exercise. First of all, we've had the opportunity to try lots of delicious food. Uh, just coming off of Georgia, we just had something called kachapuri, which is basically a hollowed out long loaf of bread. Uh, that's filled with melty, delicious cheese and then a cracked, runny egg on top, and you eat it. Um, and <laughs> and <laughs> what we didn't realize is they said this is a special treat. Like, this was at the end of the week. They're like, oh, yeah, we only eat that, like, once a year. It's, like, everybody's favorite food, but they only have it, like, yeah. one time. We had it, I think, five times yeah, yeah. in the week. <laughs> <laughs> How about durian? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something. We, we kept hearing, we kept seeing the signs in the elevator, no smelly foods, no smelly food, and a picture, picture of a durian fruit uh, with all the points sticking out of it. And we're like, okay, we have to, we have to try this. And we, we finally did in, um, in, in Malaysia. And oh my, it, it's good and it's terrible. And it's, uh, it's like, it, it's like a custard. I don't, um, Custard on top of, I don't know, that smells like. It smells really bad. It smells like a diaper and gas <laughs> and gasoline. Gasoline, gasoline <laughs> and diaper that tastes kind of like vanilla. <laughs> yeah. 
2233 is produced by The Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of The Collaboratory. 2233 is named for Title 22, Chapter 33 of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. In this episode, our taste buds were at times tickled and at times traumatized by Katie Coleman, Abena Amwaka, Graham Gross, Wordsmith, Jenny Gill, Jane Maloche, Antonio Battle, members of the Tony Memel Band, and members of Humming House. We thank them for their stories and willingness to try new things. For more about ECA exchanges, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233, and we'd love to hear from you. Write us at ECA Collaboratory at state.gov. That's E C A C O L L A B O R A T O R Y at state.gov. Dang it, I said gub. <laughs> Do I have to respell it? At state.gov. Complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. And check us out on Instagram at 2233 underscore stories. Special thanks this week to everyone for sharing their unique food stories. The various interviews were done by Anna-Marie Sinatine and our dad Christopher Wurst, who also edited this episode. I'm Elena Wurst. And I'm Dimitri Wurst. And this week, we are giving our dad a break from spelling out the word collaboratory. Again, that's C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y. Featured music during this segment was Off Minor by Thelonious Monk. Music at the top of each food episode is Monkey Spinning Monkeys by Kevin McLeod, and credit music is Two Pianos by Tigirlius. Until, Until next, next time. time. And food. Say it again a little bit further away, tiny bit further away. And food. A little bit closer. And food. <laughs> and now <laughs> <laughs> and food. <laughs> 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 <laughs>